Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Learning Out Loud. Today our guest is Alex Berenson of Thompson Hospitality. Alex is a Dutch native and the COO of Thompson Hospitality, which previous guest Warren Thompson founded, and it remains one of the largest food retail and facility management companies in the country. We spoke with Alex about a variety of topics, including the value of discipline, his experiences growing up abroad in Europe, formal education versus learning on the job, and managing a team of people. We learned a lot from Alex, and we hope you do as well. Enjoy. Uh, some of the more recent guests have told us that it's useful if we can kind of like set the stage for them in terms of what we're trying to achieve with the podcast. Um, and so the focus has been on, you know, we think that the transition between middle school to high school, high school to college, that's pretty well defined. Um, but we're more interested in learning, you know, what are the skills that people accumulate undergraduate, graduate school versus the skills that they have to develop on their own. You know, once they're in the real world, working for a real business or starting their own thing. Um, so that's kind of the objective here. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So if you want to, just to get started, kind of describe your background and how you got involved in, you know, the food and restaurant industry and with Thompson Hospitality in particular, we'd love to hear that. Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Europe. Um, um, I've lived most of my life in the Netherlands, um, born right, right outside of Amsterdam. Um, I have a, an identical twin brother, um, an older sister. My whole family is still there. I'm the only one over here on this side of the pond. And, um, you know, in Europe, everything is, things are very different in Europe. I don't know if you've ever been, but things are a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 38 hour weeks are considered very long weeks to work. <laughs> Um, and everything evolves is, you know, in Europe, it's all about being social. Everything is about food. I mean, you know, breakfast, we talk about lunch at lunch. We talk about dinner at dinner. We talk about breakfast and, <laughs> and, you know, we take naps in between. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to myself here. I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside, but, um, you know, so I, I grew up around food. I mean, I, I knew I learned how to cook from my mother. I mean, at age 12, I could make a mirepoix. You know, I knew how to make stocks and sauces. I knew how to bake. I mean, my brother and I would forage mushrooms at age 13 and 14, chanterelles and porcini mushrooms and uh, chestnuts. We knew exactly when they would be in the trees and you could throw a stick in it. I mean, and we would sell that to local produce shops. And um, in, when I was 15, I wanted a a scooter of, of like something like a Vespa. And my mother said, okay, my brother, it's, it's always times two. So my twin brother and I both wanted one. That means buying two. And she said, okay, you guys get a job. You work for half the money and I'll put up the other half. And that's what we did. So we started working in restaurants as dishwashers. And that was my introduction. And by the way, my mother had a, a sauce company too. So she, she had a catering company that she kind of did out of, of a, a re- renovated barn in our yard and I would work those events as a server on the weekends and, and I would get tips. My brother was the chef. I was the front of the house. I liked the tips and the nice clothes. <laughs> he liked the burns for some reason on his arms. I don't know why. Um, and I, we never looked back and I worked for, you know, I went from dishwasher to prep cook. You know, um, my brother stayed in the kitchen. I went to the front of the house and I just fell in love with it. And it is, it's just the preparation and execution. Um, and just the, the, you know, the, when you're in a full service restaurant and you hear that equal, that just that bustling and the clinging of silverware and glassware and the chatter and the music and the laughter. And it's, uh, it's a feeling that, you know, it, you have to fall in love with it. And, and I did, and I haven't looked back. So um, you know, and in school, the, the educational system in Europe is very different. Uh, college is free in my country. Um, we have some of the best universities, um, but also high school um, is very different. You choose packages based on your performance. Um, you know, I focused on languages. I speak, read and write five languages, which has been very helpful in my career. And um you know, I did two years of, of college, if you will, and then I went straight into managing a bar in Amsterdam. And uh, 
was at the best time of my life. I don't put mm-hmm. that place on my resume <laughs> <laughs> because I was very young and I just had a lot of fun from 20 to 25, but I worked 80 hours a week and wow. um, I loved it. I, I've, I've always loved working hard and, you know, just being, I always wanted to be the best at what I did. So I met my wife there. She was the opening manager of Planet Hollywood Amsterdam. And uh, she was an opening manager, traveled around the world, opening up Planet Hollywood. She was transferred from Orlando. And we started dating. Actually, she worked with my twin brother. (laughs) And I was running that bar. And she came into the bar. And she thought I was my brother. And it wasn't. So we kind of argued about it. And that's how we met. Um, (laughs) It was not love at first sight. We really couldn't really stand each other. And... (laughs) So um, this obviously turned into a great relationship. And when we got pregnant with, with our first child, we said, okay, I, I wanted to get out of Amsterdam and have a different lifestyle. That's when I moved to uh, Orlando to be closer to her family. And I was introduced to uh, the Ritz Carlton Hotel there as the opening manager for a fine dining restaurant called Norman's uh, by Norman Van Aken. And um you know, that's where really my career started. Um, the first seven years in the U.S., I worked for high-end hotels, five-star, five-diamond properties. Then uh, I got recruited by Wegmans Food Markets. So I worked for them for about eight or nine years, developing restaurant concepts and opening them up. We did about 22 restaurants or so. Um, then I wanted to work with a quote-unquote real restaurant company, um, and I moved to California and joined a company called King's Seafood Company, which is a, a whole story. It's an, in its own, but it's a, it's a, they, it's a seafood and meat distribution company that owns a lot of restaurants and only distributes to their own restaurants to cut out the middleman. Mm. Um, and from there I joined Sam Fox. He's a, he's a nationally acclaimed restaurant concept creator he um you know he he did things like north italia flower child true food kitchen i don't know if you've heard of that um you know blanco um culinary dropout he sold all his whole company to cheesecake factory Mm. for a a big sum of money uh then i took a step into a company what's called organic crush into entrepreneurship um which was probably one of the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, and now with, as the COO of uh, Thompson Hospitality, I get to bring all that experience together and apply it. You know, I've been able to, to cherry pick from, from each experience. Some, some were longer, some were shorter. Things happen for a reason. I mean, I've moved around a lot. Um, I'm not doing it anymore. I can't do that to my kids and my wife. They've been very patient, but I feel like I was guided. And, um, you know, each each company has taught me something different, you know, throughout my career that I've really, you know, taken with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you talk a little bit about, you said the, the difference between kind of working in the Ritz and, and Wegmans and then going to Organic Crush was a little bit more entrepreneurial. What was difficult about sure. that? Well, you know, what I loved about the Ritz-Carlton and the Sanctuary Hotel in South Carolina is I was introduced to high standards. And it's, it's something that stuck with me. I, I became obsessed with just being the best at everything. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you, your service standards or how you clean your restaurant or how the uniforms look or how the landscaping looks or how your guest scores are or whatever it is, just being the best at everything and making sure that you continuously get better at what you do on a daily basis. That's what I learned from the hotel industry and the high and, you know, the luxury hotels, you know, because what makes one of those rooms worth $700 a night? You sleep in the room. What makes it $700, you know? versus the garden in that's 125. Um, 
so that's what I learned there. At Wegmans, I learned, and I loved it. I learned a lot about myself, but more so about leadership and culture. And the good news is leadership can be taught. So yes, there are people that are uh, naturally better leaders than others, but leadership is a skill that you can learn. And that's when I started supplementing my own education with books. I started very simple with John Maxwell, 360 uh, degree leader and um, uh, Dr. John Gray. And, you know, I, that's really when my journey of, of personal development and personal growth started because I, I learned I was an ineffective leader. I was not effective. I was good at getting results. But once you start leading other leaders, <laughs> you can't just tell people what to do. You, you want them, you want to influence them. Um, and at Wegmans, I learned that, you know, from Danny Wegman that, you know, the philosophy at Wegmans is we take care of our people and our people take care of our customers. And it's true. And that's something I learned there and that I will always take with me. If you take care of your people, your people will take care of your customers, no matter what business you're in. Um, and they don't really teach you that in school. You know, they don't teach you that. At, at least I don't know. Maybe they do now. I hope they do. But they don't teach you the soft skills. You know, they don't teach you how to be a better leader. They don't teach you how to deal with different personalities. They don't teach you how to flex as a leader. Some people like direct approach. Others, you know, want a little bit more uh, a softer approach. At King's Seafood Company, I learned about operational excellence. And that company is just, is, in my opinion, if from the nuts and bolts and financial performance, there is no better company. And how they, how they break down a fish and utilize the whole fish, just the way that they approach business, it, there's no ego in it. There's, it's just about what, how can we improve the process? How can we make things easier, better, faster? How can we increase quality? Um, you know, so I learned there, I learned about operational excellence. At Fox, what I took from there was really what it's like to be part of a creative community. I didn't always in the morning, you know, you, you know Danny Wegman always said, Alex, there are three kinds of people in the world. There's the, the creator, which is 1% of the population. There's the creator, the thinker, the, you know, the, 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 the creative person. Then the second and third percentile are the doers. And those are the people that make that one percentile of work happen. That's the 3%. And then he said, and then there's everybody else. <laughs> so uh, I consider myself always having been a strong doer at fox i learned what it was like to be part of a creative community sam fox is uh, is is a genius i mean he created restaurant brands in such a way that just many people cannot do and he has he has surrounded himself with an incredible team um, but they were very heavy on the creative side um, i believe you know i believe i brought some process to that company um, and um, but I, I learned there that it's I was reminded that in business, you have to continue to be innovative. You have to be open to change. Things evolve. It's also OK not to always have the answer. You know, just surround yourself with a good team, ask questions, brainstorm, listen to your customer. That's what they were really good at. So that's what I learned there that's that's something i didn't possess and that's what i'm aware of now but it's also something you, that you don't necessarily learn in college it's understanding how to stay ahead of a marketplace and how to be innovative and how to be creative and if you don't possess that as a founder or ceo or then it's important to get someone like that on your team and then organic crush um you know I left $140 million. I mean, it was $350 million a year in revenue at Fox. I ran half of that. 
I went to a company that had $2 million a year, um, you know, and I joined, I joined that company and uh, we grew it very quickly to 12 stores. And, you know, I wanted to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. Um, it was very difficult because as a, you know, and, and entrepreneurs will know what I'm talking about. A startup is completely different than an established company or a mid-sized company, even small, smaller companies that have been around. But being in a startup, you have to think about everything yourself. And it's a lot of up and downs, a lot of left and rights. And um, it's 24-7, seven days a week. It just doesn't stop. And, you know, being being in that part of a startup like that and helping grow. I mean, we more, you wear so many hats and uh, it, it can get lonely too. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to do, you have to literally do everything yourself. You don't have an HR department. You don't have a marketing department. You don't have a facility department. You, you don't have an IT department. And we slowly grew that team. You know, we put it together, but you don't just do that overnight. And in a startup, the essential elements of a, a successful startup is number one is your team. You have to have the right team. Number two, obviously, it's the product. What are you What are you serving? And um, and thirdly, um, is there a market? Is there a market for it? You know, do people want it? And we we had those three elements, and uh, I'm I'm very proud of of what we put together there, and the current founders uh, Michelle and Fran, and they continue to to drive the brand forward. They've they've put their you know a lot of money, blood, sweat, and tears into that. But that's you know that's the entrepreneurial side of it. Being part of a larger organization comes with its own challenges but you don't know what you're missing until you don't have it um and now with you know with thompson hospitality you know, i look at my journey and it's almost like you know you create your own you know your own leadership voice and your own approach to business and uh, and how to achieve results the right way and uh i mean i I don't think that you can be prepared. I don't think the, the things that I've learned along the way are not necessarily things that you can learn in, in college. Um, however, I wish if I could look back and, and if I could, I wish I would have spent a, a little bit more on uh, academic education, more specifically, I wish, you know, finance accounting, um, just understanding you know, I wish I had an MBA. I mean, that will come inevitably. If you want to run a business, you're going to have to understand how business works. And you're going to have to, you know, I call it, do you speak accounting? <laughs> I mean, you can't read a P&L and you don't understand, you know, inflation or flow through or, uh, you know, return on investment or, you know, you, you can't, you know, even understanding how to how to make a real estate deal commercial real estate deal you need financial acumen and and you don't necessarily you don't learn that i mean you i guess you could pick it up along the way um but i had to really you know supplement my education along the way by asking the right questions by reading by educating myself uh, you know on that on that portion do you think that that was better though that you kind of had to figure it out yourself. Maybe it stuck with you more. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, I don't have any regrets. I, I don't. But um, and I think if you if you figure out on your own what it is that you need, I, at least for myself, I'm better. I'm. I was never one to sit really still in a chair with a book in front of me. I just, just not wired that way. So, but when I knew I needed to acquire a certain skill and knowledge, I would retain it so much better and faster. And, 
you know, if you do it in a self-motivated way with the resources that are available around you, you know, you can, everybody learns slightly different too. I mean, some people cram, some people write it down, some people play music and read. I mean, you know, everybody has their own way of learning. Some people are visual, some people are hands-on. Um, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly in, in right now and uh, I've gotten better, uh, you know, over the years. And so, yeah, I don't have any regrets, but I, I would, I think if I could give myself some advice, my younger self, it would have been, Hey, if you know that this is what you're going to want to do and run a business, in your career as a career, I, I would have started a little bit sooner on, on some of the, you know, the financial academics. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So what is your reflection process look like? It, it seems like you're really good at picking up on very specific lessons that you learned in um, each company that you were at. Like, I thought that you had really, really good lessons. Sometimes people tend to be a little bit general with what they tell us. And I thought that like yours were really specific. Um, and it was cool how you're able to apply them to the next place that you're at, but then also your personal life. So how do you do that? What does that look like? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, uh, I mean, I, if you ask people, Hey, describe Alex as a leader, they'll tell you that I'm outgoing, but I'm, I'm in reality, I'm, I'm, I'm quite an introvert. You know, I, this is going to sound weird, but I love being alone. For instance, I love thinking, uh, contemplating, um, you know, I tell my team always that on Sundays I spend a lot of time praying, meditation, contemplating, um, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to meditate through having no thought, which when you have no thought, uh, usually answers and solutions to problems come easier for me. At least, um, I also like to do active thinking, um, which is just focusing on thinking through opportunities that, that I have in, in the business that I run now or staffing issues or, um, you know, and, and I reflect at the end of the day, I think about what went well, what didn't go well, how can we do this better? Um, I write a lot of things down. I write down something still to this day. I, if, if my head feels like it's going to explode because you're, you know, we're, we're all trapped in our head and, um, it's important to figure out a way, and this is going to take a lifetime. This is not going to happen overnight. You got to figure out a way on how to use your brain as a tool and not let your brain use you. And when, once you acquire that skill, it actually becomes a lot of fun <laughs> because then your brain is exactly that. It's a tool. So I reflect on my past experiences and really look at them objectively. Like I zoom out, I think about what is it that I I've learned here? What lessons did I learn? You know, how can I be better? How do I not repeat mistakes? Um, you know, what I do very frequently, even today is I walk into my office. I literally, I have a very busy schedule. I work, I'm not always proud of it, but I, I work six days a week, sometimes seven. Um, but I do block time on my calendar for to do nothing. So I, I, block, I block time to go to the gym. I block time to think. And sometimes I literally, uh, my calendar will remind me, hey, it's time to think. So I'll, have, I'll take half an hour. And I, you know, I think to myself, if today, with all the knowledge, now that I'm a year and a half into Thompson Hospitality, and with all the knowledge that I've acquired over the past you know, 16, 18 months, with everything that I know now, and if today was my first day, what would I do differently? Because you can get caught up in your day-to-day -day struggles, right, and all the noise. But what if today was your first day? And you walked in, said, hello, you know, I'm the new guy but you already had all that intimate knowledge 
of the company and the people. What an advantage would that be? You know, so if you apply that to whatever it is that you're doing today, your podcast or your studies, and you just sat down and thought about, okay, with where you are now with your podcast, knowing, you know, knowing everything that you know, and the experiences that you've gained, and you started it today, what would you do different? Sometimes you, you can have amazing answers come out of that. So going back to your original question, I think it's important to, to spend time uh, to, to think, to, I call it pray, meditate, whatever it is that you want to call it, um, you know, and, and make time for it and take care of yourself too. I mean, you know, eat healthy. I sleep. <laughs> My wife and kids laugh at me because I, I sleep seven to eight hours at night. I have to. I'm not one of those. I do wake up early. I wake up, at, you know, 5, 5.30. But 9.30, I go to bed. Uh, 8 o'clock, I put my phone away. So, you, you know, and leave it downstairs. I don't bring it upstairs. I don't have it next to my bed. You have to have good, healthy habits. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. You, you have of, to. You yeah. have to. I think go part ahead. of the the thinking, the meditation part is asking the right questions of yourself. Like, I love the question about if you had the knowledge now, what would you do differently at the start? Um, is that kind of something that you came up with over the years? Like, it feels like this has been kind of a long standing habit for you. So, how did you figure out that this particular set of questions or method of kind of sitting and emptying your mind was right for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, yeah, I did come up with it over the years because every time that I changed a company, that's the approach I took. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I've learned in my past experience and apply it to what I'm doing now. But then I was like, well, I don't always need to make a change in order to do that. I can do that every day. Right. <laughs> what a luxury. What a luxury we have. You know, um, and what I frequently do, too, probably once or twice a week, actually. I literally, actually, I did it yesterday. I mean, I, I when I feel like my head's overflowing, I'm very organized. So I take, I take a lot of notes, you know, and, um, I won't, I won't share you the details, but this is a list. <laughs> um, I take a lot of notes, you know, I have, I have my, this is what I call my brain. So this is more of my, my, I call it my journal. Really. These are conversations that I have with all of my team um, and I'm very methodical. So I have, I have a, probably too many direct reports, but I have about eight direct reports and I keep track of my conversations and what I need to discuss with them. I keep track of with the date and the location that we discussed them. I highlight what I need to follow up on because this allows me to stay organized, but also when I come home at night, I need to be able to put it all away. So I literally, when I put away this this book, it's like I'm putting my brain aside for a moment. I like that. And and then for my own mental health, um, when I feel sometimes you just your head spinning, right? And what I do probably once or twice a week is I first I start with everything that I'm grateful for. I write down everything on the left side of a piece of paper. And things that are going well and and things that I've achieved and and they're not just professional they're personal too um, I even write down I would write down things that I want to achieve in the near future but you it's important to keep track of the things that you feel that you want to achieve but then also to celebrate them when you do and to sometimes remind yourself like hey man look at how much we've done Look at how far we've come and celebrate that and remind yourself of that. And then I look at, and usually the list of the things that I'm grateful for is so much longer than the other list, the other side of the piece of paper of things that are on my mind that stress me out or that I have to do or problems. Um, and then when I look at the problems, when I write them down, it's almost like, okay, now they're they're tangible. And then I think of some solutions. Um, if they really worry me, I think of what I ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? 
And what if it actually happens? What will I do then? And it really helps, you know? Um, and that's kind of, you know, how I, you know, think, think my way through, through the week, the month, the year. And, and it certainly helps me stay focused. And it also helps me be a better leader to my team. Because if I'm stressed out, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help the organization. I think the other thing too, like when you're talking about the problem side of things, um, like I notice I'm anticipating things that haven't happened yet. You know, when you when you kind of reframe your mind and you're like, well, I'm right here and things are fine right now. Like why, why am I thinking about these things that may or may not happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had a, a solution for that. Um, everybody deals with that in their own way. Everybody has that, that anxiety for something and the anticipation of something that may or may not happen in the future. Um, you know, the only way, really the what I've learned, the only way past that is through it. You know, um, you have to get, sometimes you just have to put yourself through those types of moments but you know that's how our brain works we always for some reason we always look in the future in the future and look at the past and sometimes forget about being in the moment but if you truly are in the moment even in business i tell my team you know i tell them sometimes like don't worry about the pnl okay when the pnl comes out it's usually you know we got a preliminary pnl a week or two after the fiscal period closes. And then you've got, we scrub the P&L as we call it. We look at the invoices, make sure everything is coded right. What's missing, what's too much. And then we have the final P&L. And a lot of companies spend so much time on the P&L. But how about, what about today? You know, I sent my team a message this morning and I said, hey, weather sucked this last few days, but guess what? today is going to be good in the next few days we're going to go back into the 70s and the 80s so let's make sure our patios are open let's make sure the music is on let's make sure the garage doors are open your staff properly so let's what can we do today so that we have a successful day today and if you if you constantly focus on what's here in front of you right now then theoretically you don't have to worry about the past or the future <laughs> It's a very simple approach, but I mean, that's how you manage a business. There are lead and lag measures. That's so, um, something I was introduced to at Wegmans as well. It's the uh, 4DX, the four disciplines of execution by Stephen Covey. I don't know if you've heard of Stephen Covey. Yeah, he did the uh, very seven habits of highly effective people. Highly effective people, yeah, and the eighth habit. I mean, I've read all those books. But 4DX really teaches you to focus on lead measures. And then the lag measure is the result, right? The, the lag measure is the ultimate result you want to achieve. But there are things that you can influence, actionable things that you can do on a daily basis. Um, and if you stick with them, you don't have to worry about the results. They will come. Right, that's something that we talked a lot about yeah. process over outcome. Yeah, and also yeah. I'm sure you've read like Atomic Habits by James yep. Clear. Yeah, so it's yep. kind of like um, the one percent better every day yeah. thing. Like if you're focusing on now mm -hmm. and just getting a little bit better right now, then you don't need to be worrying about what's going to be in the future because it inevitably will be better than now. So. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true, and you can to just business you can apply you, you know, i mean i know you're um you're all very into living a, a healthy lifestyle and exercising diet and exercise um you know if you have a fitness goal it's great to write it on the wall but you need to have daily actions okay i'm gonna go to the gym four times a week i'm gonna eat 2500 clean cal calories every day i'm gonna sleep eight hours you know per night and if I do those three things consistently every week, then I'm going to achieve my fitness goals. It's, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And then, you know, a few weeks into it, it then becomes a habit. And then once it is a habit, 
and you feel good about the habit, you can try something new. You can introduce something else. I think that part of the, what we were talking about with kind of living in the moment and not worrying about the past and the present, I think part of that is it seems like you have with your kind of hypotheticals and the thinking, that is almost like a way to segment that out. So you have a designated time to think about if in this particular situation, I was a year and a half in the past or if what I'm doing right now leads to the properties that I want or the you know goals that I want to achieve in the future. Like I think separating that out and having that segmented in a very confined manner is helpful. So you're not kind of running wild, you know, thinking about all the things that you could do. It's the same way as if you decide I'm going to go to the gym, you know, from seven to eight, then that's it. You've, you've already done it. You're just thinking about it in that particular time frame, And then the rest of the day is, you don't have to worry about, am I going to go? Did I go? All that kind of stuff. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's discipline. Right. It's discipline. It's really thinking about, you know, what are your goals? How am I going to get there? And just, and do it. I mean, I, you know, I say this all the time to operators too. Like I'm, I tell them, I said, you're all empowered, but with empowerment comes responsibility. You have to do it. You have to take inspired action, right? The law of attraction, <laughs> you know, ask, uh, believe, receive. Um, if you want something, you can get it, but by obsessing with it, it's not going to get you what you want. You have to take inspired action on a daily basis and you will achieve what you want to achieve. I mean, you know, I and surround yourself with the like-minded people. Mm. That's important too. So you guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you kind of instill this mentality into the team that you're working with? I, I'm sure it starts just with you kind of showing that this is how you approach life, but are there specific things that you do to help them kind of have this mindset as well? Yeah, I mean, communication is is paramount i mean i i sometimes am tired of hearing my own voice i really am you know when you listen to a recording and you hear your own voice you don't <laughs> like it um believe us we know you know <laughs> i i mean you know that's just something we humans have but you know i i don't stop i just communicate 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 in every possible way I, I have, I send out emails, inspirational emails. I have a, a group text message. I have one-on-one -on -one meetings. I have teams meetings. Once a quarter, I bring everybody together. We have some fun. We have awards. Um, I visit stores. You know, I have vice presidents and, and directors that report to me. You know, we're a pretty horizontal company, but there's still layers between me and the, and the general managers of the stores, right? You have the COO, you have VP, you have a DO, and then a GM, and then, you know, everybody else. So I literally go into the stores and I ask the general managers, what did you learn this week from your director of operations? So I want to make sure that, and, and my team knows it too. Um, so, you know, how do we, so how, how do we, how do we spread that to the team? Um, you know, again, through inspired action. And that's just relentless communication, um, following up, validating that it's actually alive. If, you know, right now, the direction to my team, I'll give you a specific example. Um, you know, we're not, we're not worried about the economy too much, but we're sensitive and people want value right now as, a, as the diner, the consumer wants value. So we are laser focused on um, consistency, execution, just quality of food, quality of service, clean restaurants. That's it. Um, we also rolled out some new menu items that are more value driven, uh, a bundle at Big Buns or a bundle at Wise Guy Pizza, or we're going to roll out an express lunch that's a little bit faster, but also lower priced items. Um, so, so that's the message to operations. And I talk about it every day, but then I go into the stores and I ask the general managers, okay, what are you working on? <laughs> and if they don't know, then I'm going to basically, so it's top down, but then I'm going to go bottom up. Hmm. So my next conversation then will be with the director and saying, why doesn't your general manager 
know what to do. Why, why isn't he or she getting the message? That, and that's important too in business. You know, throughout my career, I learned, I was very good at getting shit done. That's just, if you want something done, I'm your guy. I will get it done. doesn't matter what it is. But then I learned that, hey, <laughs> you can't be a jerk about it. You need, you need a good team. So then I was just focused on being a good leader. But then I had, I was so focused on being a good leader. I think it, I was more focused on being likable. Mm. But then I wasn't always getting the results. Right. <clears throat> and, and that's the hard part of leadership. It's inspiring people, teaching them, coaching them, develop them, developing them to do, first of all, to win their hearts and then you win their minds. But then how do you get them to do what you need them to do? And then holding them accountable is important. It's having difficult conversations <clears throat> and doing it the right way. Right. I think the you other know, part of it, that, sorry, again. No, go ahead. I think, I think part of that is as you go higher up, the, you talked about you know leading indicators and lagging indicators. <clears throat> the difference between those two continuously expands the higher you, you go up. So if you're washing dishes, then the work that you put in and the result, very quick, you know, 30 seconds a minute. But if you're setting up meetings and building a team and trying to get something done on a quarterly or annual basis, then that time horizon really starts to spread out. I guess it's harder to assess yourself about if you're doing things right because the outcome isn't there yet. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is going to sound harsh, but take it the way it's intended. At the end of the day, we're business. And we're measured by our results. And we're measured, you know, by the bottom line. You know, it's great if you have five-star rating on Glassdoor and you're the best company to work for. But if you don't make money, you, you cease to exist. So you have to find that balance. And the way I reconcile that in my head is, you know, I look at my P&L. Um, that's my report card, right? That tells me how I'm doing. Um, but I, on the human side of it, you know, I look at, I just, I don't want to have regrets. I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm very focused on creating lasting relationships. Even with people that I let go, I'm still in touch with people that I've had to let go, you know? Um, you know, you always have your one or two awkward terminations, but um, the crying person or the angry person, <laughs> but uh you know, it's never easy, but, you know, accountability is a big part of, of running a business and that's holding your team accountable. And it's also keeping the standards high and showing your team that, look, this is real. You know, we can still have fun <laughs> and deliver results. So how do you keep that focus or have that balance between actually, you know, getting the this, this shit done versus making sure that everybody is you know, happy while they're doing it? How do you balance those yeah. two things? Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that's a great question. I actually wrote a little article on that on LinkedIn, uh, the carrot and the stick, um, a right. long time ago. And, you know, it's an ongoing balancing act. And, you know, my, my gut usually tells me what to do. Um, culturally, we make a huge deal out of wins. Like we, we celebrate wins publicly. We scream it off the rooftop. Um, but every day, it's my job to look for what's wrong and to address that head on. So, And they know it, too. My team knows it. I'll take a flashlight and I'll shine a, I'll shine a light on every issue. And we go straight at it, you know? You know how people have fight, flight or freeze? I mean, we're fight. And... Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't address your issues right away and head on, they only continue to get bigger. And it doesn't mean, uh, you know, fire everybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, if someone is not performing, I'm, I'll go to them and say, what's, what's going on? Are you okay? Is, is, you know, is everything okay at home? Yeah, everything's okay at home. Like, okay, then what's going on in your division? You know, I've seen a lot of turnover. Um, you know, are you not clear on the expectations? Do you need help? No, I'm good. I know what to do. I don't need help. And then it's, 
like, well, then why aren't you doing this? You know, do you not see what what's lacking? You know, do you and it and then giving them clear expectations like, hey, I need you to get this done, these three things in the next 30 or 60 days. And I will follow up with you weekly on where you are. And if it doesn't get done, then we have a problem. <laughs> and you don't have to be rude about it, but you have to be very clear with your expectations. And I tell my team all the time, I said, hey, if you need more time, raise your hand. If you need help, raise your hand. I do it all the time. I work directly with Warren, whom you've spoken with too. I mean, you know, Warren is an entrepreneur and CEO. I mean, he, every day he has 20 new ideas. <laughs> you know, we cannot possibly execute everything he wants to do. It's just not possible. So my job is to filter through those expectations, prioritize them, um, and respectfully push back on things. Say, hey, that's a great idea, but let's do that in the next quarter or say hey i like what you're saying but this is not aligned with our strategy or this location is out of our market even though it seems like a good deal um it's about having real conversations and being honest and uh you know when you look at the reason i joined thompson is because of our guiding principles and we laugh we laugh a lot here we laugh we make i mean you can imagine the, the the stuff that happens here in our restaurants. It's just crazy with guests and, and team members. I mean, you can't make some of that stuff up, but we laugh at it. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, after work, we'll grab a beer, we'll laugh at it. And we just make sure we, uh, we don't repeat the same mistakes. So, so we take things very seriously. We're, we're a high performing team. Um, we have real conversations. We address issues head on until they're resolved together. We try not to blame, you know, it's easy to, to look for blame. Um, you know, we, we don't, we don't like that either. It's not about that. It's about where's the issue coming from? How do we solve it? And how do we make sure what's the, sometimes there's a short-term and long-term fix. We usually do both. How do we stop the bleeding? Now, how do we fix the issue? And then how do we prevent it from happening again? And that's how you get better every day. Do you think that you could apply everything that you've learned to a completely new industry? Because I feel like everything that you're saying, um, it just seems like you understand business really well. I mean, it started with food because that's what you grew up with, but it just seems like this would be able to apply to anything. I think so. <clears throat> I don't know if I would have, you know, if I would go into the mattress industry or software, you know, I don't have the same passion for it um, because I'm obsessed with food and beverage and hospitality. I mean, on my time off, I just, um, I cook, I eat, I, I travel, I visit hotels and restaurants. It's what I love to do. Mm -hmm. So I personally don't see myself doing anything else but i do firmly believe that this approach would be applicable to any business i mean we're still dealing with people and um you know there might be other business leaders out there that have a, a different approach you know there are also different companies out there um but yeah i believe that there's a universal business and that there are best practices that you can uh, you know apply to a broad range of of, of uh, you know sectors and industries yeah how important do you think the passion for restaurants and hospitality is in establishing the culture and achieving the success that you want to achieve <clears throat> because some people just kind of like to play the game of business so what's the difference between you know playing the game of business versus this is something that you really love and you're building a business around that well, you know, I think having a passion for what you do gives you a certain fuel and drive. And especially in diff during difficult times, it's what's going to get you through. So mm -hmm. to me, it's, it's, to me personally, it's essential. 
Um, if I did not have passion for what I do, I wouldn't do it. I mean, and especially the business that we're in. I mean, it's it's seven days a week. It's night and days. It's weekends. You know, I even though I have an office, you know, I mean, the folks here at the office, they work very hard and they do a lot of good work. But at Friday at 4 p.m., this office is empty. But that's when our restaurants get busy, you know. And I mean, we it just doesn't stop. And we're, we all, we're open during holidays, you know, nights, weekends. I mean, we're planning for Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve right now. We all work, um, you know. So I think it's very important to love what you do because that's what's going to give you that extra push and drive, you know, especially during, during more challenging times. How do you think college students now can figure that out? Maybe they want to go start something themselves like we do, or maybe just, you know, as a career, how do you, how do you find that passion if it's not like glaring right in front of your face? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, pray, meditate, contemplate, um, you know, <laughs> just try not to force it. If you don't know, you don't know. And you know, my mom had a very different idea for me of what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do career-wise until I was in my mid-20s, really. I mean, early 20s. I, I had already started my career. But, you know, I, I would say just, just go with the flow. Don't rush it. I think secretly, you may not be aware of it yet, but you, you know, you're already destined to do something special. You may, you may not know it consciously, but subconsciously it's in you. And um, not to sound too weird, but you know, you're, you know, that every, we all have certain strengths um, and passions, but, you know, like I said earlier on, I, I knew, knew early on in life that I wanted to run or own a business. I wanted to be, I, I, sounds weird. It's not ego driven, but I like being in charge. I cannot sit in a room. For instance, if, if we sit in a room and, you know, with 30 people and you know, got a bunch of tables in the room and they're trying to reconfigure what the tables should look like and their shape, I'm not the one that's going to sit on the chair. I'm going to, I'm the one that stands up and say, Hey, what should it look like? Why don't you put the chairs aside and you guys grab these tables and we'll grab these and we'll put it. Okay, great. I mean, that's how I'm wired. So I knew I wanted to put that to work. Um, you know, I wish, I, I wish I would have supplemented my, some of the academic knowledge a little bit sooner. But, you know, again, to answer your question, I think the harder you try to force a decision out of yourself on what you want to do, I think the longer it will take for you to get to that point of like, okay, this is what I want to do. Let it, let it come. It will come. And it's, yes. with some people, it comes sooner. And with some, with others, it comes later. That is a Don't super, super interesting response because we've talked to people who have a similar mindset about the discipline, the commitment, the passion in the business. And they've said the same thing in terms of, you know, you're kind of in some way destined to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do, but you can't try and kind of be too tight about it and force it to get there. That's really interesting because we've had people who kind of the opposite of you where they didn't figure out what their passion was until they were, you know, 30 or 35 or 40. And they said the same thing. So that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. How yeah, do you... I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I can only speak from, from, from my own experience. So yeah. How do you manage the, you know, the day-to-day, -day, like you're putting in the work, the discipline where, even if you don't have the, the background hum of, okay, this is the passion that I want. Like, how do you be so proactive in terms of getting the work done, but so relaxed about feeling that it will come to you eventually in terms of that passion hitting you? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, I think the question in itself, again, states that you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, right? 
just by the and, action day to day? Yeah, I mean, you know, just just keep doing what you're doing and take care of yourself and ask, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's even good to ask a good friend or a family member and ask them, hey, you know, hey, mom, hey, brother, hey, good friend, what do you think I'm good at? What what are my strengths? What 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 do I excel at in your opinion? And you might be surprised with the answers you you'll get. You know, I was I used to be terrified of public speaking and like many people. But then when I started asking people like, hey, what do you think I'm good at? And they they said, Hey, you you're always really good in front of a group. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, so you know, now, you know, I feel, I feel comfortable doing those kind of things. And I love teaching and coaching and motivating a team and, and really, you know, watching things manifest and, 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 and things come together like an organization, getting results. Um, so for yourself, I would just, you know, keep exploring, uh, you know, ask yourself, what do I enjoy? What am I good at? What do I like spending time on? Um, and then what are some of your long-term goals? Like where, you know, do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to achieve something? Is it a certain amount of money? And by the way, thinking and wanting money is, is totally fine too. Don't be embarrassed to say that. You know, if you're, if you're like, shit, I want to be rich. I'm like, good, good for you. That's, that's, that's a great goal. I mean, having money is, is a lot of fun and you know, it's nice if you, if you have it I and mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And don't, so don't be embarrassed, but if you don't know how to get there, um, you know, it, the, the answers will come and just keep doing what you're doing. Take care of yourself. Um, make sure you have good habits versus bad habits. Um, you know, take care of your, 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 your mind, your body, eat healthy, have healthy habits, um, make sure you have fun. That's very important too. no regrets. Um, you know, I, a question I ask myself often is if, do I regret doing this or do I regret, well, I regret not doing this. So let me push this away. So I, I hope that helps answer your question because I can't give you that answer. Like, what do you, should you be doing on a daily basis? Just keep doing what you're doing. Make sure that you're proud of what it is that you're doing. Um, take risk, you know, go for it. Whatever it is you're doing, go all out. <laughs> uh, don't do stupid things. We're all going to make mistakes, by the way. I've done a lot of stupid things, but you know, don't repeat the same mistake twice. Don't be afraid to take risk. Um, I would, I would have rather tried more versus tried less. And and you'll you'll get the answers will, you know, it will re reveal itself. It yeah, really like that. yeah, it's like kind of three three ways to get feedback: feedback from the actual doing, feedback from your contemplation and reflection on that. And then feedback from people around you who are kind of observing you do all those things. Yeah, people that love you, you know, not to sound weird, but people that care about you, that have your best interest in mind, they they can really help you find your strength zone. You know, right? Pe people Patrick Leon, read Patrick Leoncini's Strength Finder 2.0. <laughs> okay, we'll write that down. <laughs> Great book. So how far ahead do you think it makes sense to look in terms of planning, in terms of goals that you have? You mentioned to have long-term goals, but then we were also talking about that it kind of makes more sense to just look in the present moment. So how do you find that balance there? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah, when you're younger, you don't really think long-term. As you get older, it's it's kind of weird because – statistically as you get older you have less time left right it's a kind of a grim fact but it's what it is but as you get older you start to think more long term um i i wish that at a younger age i had made better financial decisions um that's really the only the only thing that i wish i would have done better earlier on 
and that's you know probably financial planning because you know what money what money gives you is is option and freedom i look at at money as energy you know it's it's like fuel and um you know and if you have enough of it <laughs> it takes a lot of worry away and it gives you options so you know i think having a long term financial plan is important um and you know goal setting i mean it's i don't know goal setting it's like my goal is i mean over the past 10 years my my i've always had goals that that were two or three years out but then as i progress one year my goal is another three years out so that goal keeps going it's a journey but living in the moment and making sure that you have no regrets having fun is so important spending time with the people that you care about you know i have I have a wonderful wife and four kids and i love them and i i look forward every day to going home and and spending time with them and uh just making sure that you make the best of every moment, you know, be engaged in what you're doing, be in the moment, be give it your time and your focus and your attention. And uh, as far as thinking ahead, you know, the two things that I need to do, you know, I like planning travel. So, you know, I want to go, I'm going to Greece next year. I'd like to, um, you know, this during the holidays, my wife and I and the kids want to fly to Utah and visit some friends, you know, and not have a crazy Christmas this year. Um, not with just ridiculous gifts. We, we want to, my kids are at an age now where we can, we can travel. So those things you plan ahead, plan, plan vacations and fun ahead for yourself for enjoyment. Make sure that you have, you know, put, put some money away and put it to work, you know, don't put it just in savings, but invest it in something. And other than that, just have fun along the way. So I think we've gotten a lot of good advice and good thoughts today. If you could distill it down to go back in time, talk to your 20, 21, your 21 year old self, what's the single piece of advice that you would give to, you know, 20 year old Alex? Oh my God. I, I it immediately came up. It would be listen better. Hmm. Pay attention, listen, you know, don't, if you're in a room, you know, I learned that from a gentleman, his name is Bob Farr. He's now the CEO of Wegmans actually. And I'm not surprised that he is, but every time I was in a meeting with him too, I mean, the guy never said anything. I'm like, how does this guy, like, what's wrong with him? You know, like we're sitting in a room with Danny Wegman and all these people. And this guy doesn't say a word. He just sits there. I'm like, how, why is he getting paid? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I learned from him that he, you know, there's a, there's a lot of strength and value that you can get out of listening. And so pay attention, listen, listen, just pay attention to the people that you're in the room with. You don't always have to speak first. You know, um, I, I do my best to speak last now. I'll, I'll open a meeting, but then I let everybody go first. And then guess what? You may even look like the smartest person in the room. <laughs> but yeah, I would tell myself, my younger self, just slow down a little bit and listen better. Awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. All right, so we have a, a few questions at the end that we uh, that we ask everyone. The first one is, how do you define success? And then on a day-to-day -day basis, how are you working towards getting there? Okay. Um, you know, I define success. I think about that a lot. So I, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that I have no regrets, you know, so looking back, if I retire, when I retire, I should say, not if, um, and I sit on the <laughs> beach with my, with my wife and I look back, I want to be proud of the things that we've done and, and have no regrets. Um, I think success looks not only, yeah, again, if you make good money, that's great, but um, really the relationships that I've built over the, the time that I've, you know, put in, put in my career, um, 
the careers that I've been able to influence, you know, I'm, I'm very proud. I know several guys that I've worked with that are very successful now. I mean, and I, you know, I'm not saying that's all because of me. That's not what I'm saying, but I know that I've had, I'm still in touch with them. They've called me for advice. Um, you know, I can name several that have become extremely successful. Um, that makes me feel good. So the relationships I've built, the careers I've influenced, um, a selfish thing really is what does success look like for me? I mean, I'm obsessed with hospitality and restaurants. So the restaurants that I've opened or helped open and concepts, uh, the concepts that I've helped create that are still open. I'm proud of that and it makes me feel good. So uh, just leaving something behind that people are still enjoying. You know, I go to, there's restaurants in California and upstate New York, Florida. I mean, all around the East coast and West coast that I was involved in and that are wildly successful and it makes me feel good. Awesome. That's, that, that's what success looks like. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. So for someone who, this is also what we ask is for someone who wants to get involved in your industry, someone who's looking to get into restaurants or hospitality, what are the best things that they can do now? I mean, you mentioned getting a strong background in accounting is there anything else that you think would be applicable for somebody, you know, in college right now who wants to get into that post-graduation? Yeah. I mean, get a job in a restaurant, even doesn't even matter what industry you're in. I think working in a restaurant, running a restaurant, you know, if they want to do what I do now, I mean, you definitely need to uh, start from the ground up, you know, mm -hmm. work, work every position, get into leadership, supervisor, manager, assistant general manager, general manager, regional manager, um, but learning hands-on and the amount, what you work, what you learn in a restaurant is just tremendous. You know, you, you learn business skills, you learn social skills with guests, you, it's customer facing. You also learn to, you know, develop and teach your, your employees. It's ongoing training. Um, it's fast paced. It's, it's ever changing. It's seasonal. You learn so much in the restaurant industry. Um, so, yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that getting hands on experience and then early on making sure that you have that academic, you know, supplemental part, you know, so that you understand the numbers. You know, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So you can have the best running restaurant. But if you don't know how to make money, <laughs> what's the point? Right. Right. So, yeah. And you have to love it. You know, you have to love it. If you don't love it, don't do it because it's hard. Right. So you have to do the thing. You have to be able to analyze the thing and you have to love both of those parts. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Learning Out Loud. If you found anything useful, please share with a friend to help us grow. We'd also appreciate it if you could rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next week with a new episode.